Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, August 24th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, with the Pfizer vaccine fully approved by the FDA, we examine what comes next for Mississippi's vaccination campaign. Then, how first responders are pitching in to relieve the stress on hospitals. Plus, the legislature prepares to redraw the maps. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine is now fully approved. The Food and Drug Administration made the decision yesterday, and it's one that may help lift public confidence in vaccinations as the nation battles the most contagious coronavirus mutant yet. Less than 40 percent of Mississippians are fully vaccinated. But Dr. Claude Brunson, executive director of the Mississippi Medical Association, thinks the full authorization could push some vaccine holdouts toward getting the shots. He shares more about the vaccination effort with us, beginning with how the Pfizer shot cleared the final hurdle. Emergency approval is when the um, FDA um, does a, an expedited review of the clinical trials and make sure that they've got the safety data, that you've done enough trials on enough people to be able to make the assertion that the vaccine is safe, effective, will do what it's supposed to do. The full authorization usually includes uh, a, a, a larger number of additional um, people that are in the clinical trial and following the vaccine results for a few more months. Like that was an additional six months of review uh, of the Pfizer vaccine following its emergency use authorization. And there was probably another, I think, 11 or 12,000 individuals included in the clinical trial uh, to get to the point where they authorized uh, the full approval today. And so basically more time and more numbers of people to, to make sure that the original um, validation statistics and uh, clinical trial results they got were sustained uh, and that you can get full approval to the vaccine. Should this clear up any hesitancy among those who've been afraid to get the vaccine? Yes. I mean, we've had a number of folks, I think about 30% of our citizens said that they were waiting on full approval of the vaccine. Well, we now have that. And the, uh, the process to get approval, full approval, is very rigorous by the FDA and the CDC looks into this, and so that is now done. And so any of those folks who were saying that, well, we're, we're just hesitant until this comes off the emergency use and has its full approval before we'll be confident to take the vaccine, 
Well, that day has arrived, and we really need them to step up and go ahead on and get their vaccination. And Mississippi has plenty of doses of Pfizer, or are we expecting the Moderna full approval to come soon? Well, we expect the Moderna uh, approval to come uh, fairly soon. But still, now, both of these vaccines, with all three vaccines, still have emergency use. And, and remember that to get the full approval is just watching uh, the results for a longer period of time and adding more uh, folks in the clinical trial. But both, well, we have three vaccines right now that are still authorized on emergency use. Pfizer is just the first one now to get full approval by the FDA. Well, as you said, if 30% of the population have been waiting for that approval, we should have a rush on vaccines (laughs) any day now. Um, We should. But the the good news is that we have plenty of vaccine and vaccine availability has not been an issue for several months now. What does this full approval mean for businesses and and their being able to mandate vaccines among their employees? Well, a a number of businesses were concerned about the uh, vaccine being on emergency use authorization and said that they would uh, like to require that for uh, their employees, but they're reluctant to do it for whatever reason. And some with businesses being uh, very keen on looking at legal things uh, was was probably due to reluctance to not mandate it until the vaccine had full authorization. And so we think and we hope what we'll see is more and more businesses starting to require that their employees be vaccinated so that they protect themselves, their workforce, and the folks who are visiting their businesses. Out of a population of about 3 million, Mississippi now has 1,121,000 residents fully vaccinated. The U.S. is 52% vaccinated. Mississippi is now 38% vaccinated. If there's any good news here, 214,000 Mississippians have been vaccinated this month alone, and it's sort of gone up by about 10,000 per week. Do you see this as a growing trend? We keep hearing this is the worst that it's been. It's really horrible. And is this having an effect on people, do you think, to finally get vaccinated? I think it is. I, I think the uh, the shock of seeing the number of infections and, and with this Delta variant, what we saw this time that we didn't see before we had the vaccines available and in our earlier waves, we saw the Delta variant increase very rapidly because of how much more contagious it is than the other variants were. And that is a part of what has overwhelmed our hospital system. Uh, and uh, so we've seen an increased number of infections. We've seen them happen at a more rapid rate so that we could not manage it across the state. And uh, our hospitals are full, our ICUs are full, and uh, we're seeing uh, more deaths just as a result of the percentage of folks who die on average from getting um, COVID-19. But the other thing that has been also shocking, uh, I think, to, to our consciousness is the number of children who have been infected. And we've seen children start to die also. What would it take in terms of vaccination rates in Mississippi to reach herd immunity? I think the latest thing that that we've heard from uh, our state health department is that we need to get up to about 80 to 85 percent with COVID-19 to reach what we call herd immunity. And we have a long ways to go. We hear that the, the longer that 
we're not vaccinated more, the better a chance of another variant forming, which may be even more severe. Are you concerned about that? Yes, we, we are concerned about that. Uh, the way viruses replicate and mutate, um, the longer you have uh, virus um, transmitting around in the community, the more opportunities there are for it to mutate. And mutations occur all the time, but that means that there's also going to be more opportunity for a mutation that fundamentally changes how contagious the, the, the virus is and how deadly it is. And so if we can get to a point of herd immunity and sort of suppress the ability of the virus to continue to transmit, that gives us less opportunities to infect people and to continue to mutate. That's why it's so critical that we get to herd immunity. One last question for you. Parents would be so relieved to hear that their children under the age of 12 could be vaccinated against COVID-19. When can we expect that to happen? Well, we're hearing, uh, we're beginning to hear from the uh, FDA and the CDC that we may be able to see uh, vaccine authorization down to age five, between ages five and 11, uh, around September, and possibly um, younger uh, than five, uh, possibly by the end of the year. But until that time, we got to continue to stress everybody who's eligible to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Wear masks. Make sure your children wear masks. Because what we need to do for our children now who are not eligible to be vaccinated is we almost need to put them in a bubble surrounded by folks 12 and up who can get vaccinated to be vaccinated. If those folks aren't going to get infected, it's less likely than that obviously children who have that bubble of immunity around them will also get infected. Dr. Claude Brunson is the executive director of the State Medical Association. Thank you so much, Dr. Brunson. Thank you. Coming up, how first responders are pitching in to relieve the stress on hospitals. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. With Delta still surging throughout the Magnolia State, pressure on the state's health systems is mounting. And that extends to first responders who, under a new order from the health department, are authorized to provide services on hospital grounds until beds become available. Alicia Zetterholm is a paramedic serving Madison and Rankin counties. She tells our Desiree Frazier how she and other EMTs are managing the overflowing hospitals. Day by day. (laughs) Um, It's a little on the trying side. It's emotionally, physically draining, but... With help like this, it adds a little bit of extra something there. What's the biggest challenge for uh, ambulance EMT folks? Um, most, mostly right now it is getting to folks, uh, getting them the right care, whether it is due to COVID-related or just your average medical emergency right now. So sometimes you have to wait at a hospital until there's room, right? Yes, ma'am, we do. Um, there's times that we've waited anywhere between 30 minutes to 10 hours for a room. 10 hours? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's just no beds. There's not any place to put the sick, whether it is COVID. Uh, with COVID patients, uh, medics and 
uh, advanced EMTs, EMTs were having to sit with these patients in the ambulance instead of taking them inside the hospital that we were not fully exposing a lot of others. But when you do that, you're exposing two other members and hoping and praying at the same time that you don't contract it yourself. There was um, an order that EMTs could help out in hospitals. How do you feel about that? Uh, it will be great. Just the problem is we're already shorthanded out in the field. So it's uh, we're hoping that right now that it doesn't shorten us anymore, but maybe we can get other people from other states. But we also know that other states are shorthanded too. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be trying on that. So this wouldn't be something that you could do at this point? Right now, no. Um, I work in Madison County out of Canton, and my crews need me up there and my coworkers. I mean, if, I, if we down one truck, it puts the system in a bad way. So it's just not feasible. How many trucks do you operate? Um, out of Madison, there's six. Out of Rankin County, uh, there's uh, about eight or nine. Uh, and that's just in those two counties alone. So there's several others with Pafford as well. Thank you for what you're doing to help folks. How are you holding up? Uh, <laughs> other days are hard. I just hope that some days I don't take it home to my family. And Have you been safe so far? So far, yes. I haven't actually contracted it or brought it home. Most of my family is vaccinated, um, but, you know, that hasn't been entirely safe as well. You know, it just lessens the effects, and we know that. But as long as everybody is getting vaccinated, it will still help us out. We're so low on our vaccination rate. That we're very low, uh, and I think a lot of that is misinformation, a lot of scare with, you know, previous vaccinations in the past. And it's completely understandable, and a lot of folks are worried about their rights being taken away with that. But when it comes down to it, those of us in the hospitals, on the ambulance, when we bring in somebody or we have to sit here and watch someone slowly just go without family, it's emotionally draining. At Merritt Health Hospital in Jackson, the Salvation Army set up a canteen to provide free lunches for first responders and hospital staff. Captain Jerry Floyd with the Jackson Fire Department says he's grateful because the pandemic adds another layer of complexity to emergency response efforts. I tell you right now, it's kind of a uh, touch and go there. You know, we when we go into those homes and stuff and, you know, the uh, cases of uh, you know, positivity as far as COVID, we're kind of leery, but, you know, we have a, a call to duty, and we try to uphold as much as we, best as we can and uh, try to be as safe and careful as we can. So we have uh, uh, items as far as our safety. We have things that we could use, and uh, we, we utilize them to the fullest and, and we hope for the best. Have any of your folks at the station contracted COVID? Yes. Uh, I, I've contracted in December, but it, was, it wasn't from the station. But uh, we had three members at our station who's contracted. How are they doing? Back at work. Full well, we got one out. He's uh, in quarantine right now. He should be back by end, by week's end. And everybody else is doing good so far. Um, I don't know if you know, but um, FDA has approved Pfizer. Do you think that will help in what you're doing? Well, at this point, <laughs> anything will help. But, you know, if they, if it's fully approved, couldn't help, couldn't hurt. Your thoughts on the state being one of the lowest for the vaccination rate? Yeah, I, I have been uh, hearing uh, talk about that. And, uh, you know, me as being an African-American, I've heard stories of yesteryear how, you know, they, they experiment on, on African-Americans, and, and they, they kind of leer about that. Most of it's older folk, and uh, they kind of like pass it on to the, to the younger generation. 
And it gets, it's like it just gets them to thinking, and ha- then they do panic thinking. And then it, 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 it causes a, a rim of confusion, and nobody knows what to do. But uh, me, myself, whatever it takes for me to, to protect myself, my family, and my, and my co-workers, I'm all for it. Um, is there anything that you'd like people to know about your work and how you're managing in the midst of this? Oh, uh, as far as the Jackson Fire Department, it's uh, we're we're maneuvering around it as best as can. I mean, they're doing the best they can with you know, because we have a lot of folk out with with the uh, a virus, and uh, we just have to do a lot of extra hires stuff like that. But as far as uh, the staffing and stuff like that, they're doing a what I consider a fantastic job, you know, considering. And uh, but you know, we 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 working around it as best we can. And I see you came here to get lunch. The Salvation Army has uh, services set up to provide lunches for first responders. Right. Yes, we did. Uh, we just heard about it this morning. And, uh, no, they say they want to show their appreciation. And we, we are grateful for it because uh, we are a busy a busy unit. And uh, anytime we can get a little quick meal because we have to go on a dash, and, you know, at any time. And uh, anytime we can get that, and you know, we feel appreciative of it. And uh, I speak not only for myself, but on behalf of the fire department as, as a whole. And uh, I'm grateful, and uh, I'm sure the rest of them will be too. Thank you for what you're doing to keep Mississippians safe. And thank you from all of us, because we know that you've got a tough job. Thank you. Okay. I, I, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you, ma'am. Coming up, the legislature prepares to redraw the maps. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Every 10 years, state lawmakers dive into census data to redraw the electoral districts that will shape the state for the next decade. It's a process that's part cartography, part politicking, excuse me. One of the primary challenges this year, redrawing lines in the state that lost population. Mississippi is one of only a few states to experience a decline, and a majority of the population change occurred in the state's rural areas. The public hearing phase of the redistricting procedure wrapped up last night at the Capitol in downtown Jackson. MPB's Kobe Vance was there to hear from lawmakers, beginning with Representative Charles Beckett, a Republican from Bruce, who chairs the Joint Legislative Redistricting Committee. It's, it's all a challenge. It's the fact that um, I don't know whether the, depending on who you talk to, whether the districts with that have gained population or the districts that have lost population create the biggest challenge. I, I uh, you know, I, I hear people tell me, well, my district is still within deviation, so it's, it's not going to be a problem. Well, that's not necessarily true because what if your neighbor lost 10%? And so we have to change your district and the next one and the next one. It's just a domino effect. So when you, when you start moving people around, it's just, it's just difficult. Uh, I think, and I, and I don't know this and I won't know it until we actually look at it, but what if, what if your population, say, what if your minority population is more, is distributed more equally across the state? But, yet you don't want to gerrymander. So how, how do you do that, you know? Um, so it just that, that can create a problem. You know, you can uh, – communities of interest 
may, may not be the same as they were 10 years ago. You may have people in communities of interest in an area, that in a district, and that, that district no longer, they may not have those things in common anymore. They may, may be totally different people representing a district than was representing it. Um, you know, I, my, my district personally changed by 40 percent in the last redistricting. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I do think that, uh, you, you know, you want to keep communities of interest together and you, you want you want not necessarily uh, a minority member, but think more, more like you have to be able to elect a candidate of your choice. I mean, we have, and so, um, and so it, it just, this is a consideration that, but, um, but anyway, they're going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be challenging, but it, it always is. It's probably never been an easy redistricting process. So what does it, what does it mean for y'all whenever you got the, uh, the information so late from the census? just puts us under a time crunch. Uh, we have the same amount of work to do, and normally we would have gotten in April 15th. And so uh, we just, we got basically in, in the congressional area, you know, eight months worth of work to do in three months now. And because uh, really we can't start until October, until, until we get the official number. We're not going to start with the estimates. We're not going to draw districts to then. Beckett and his fellow Republicans hold a supermajority in both chambers of the state legislature and how the next maps are drawn could influence that power dynamic. Democrat Senator Solly Norwood says he wants to use his presence on the committee to ensure that results provide fair representation for Mississippians. We're hoping that the committee will deal with the packing, the gerrymandering, and, and make sure, as most of the speakers said, do the right thing, uh, draw fair maps that will give fair representation to all Mississippians. Do you think that's going to be difficult as we've seen so many uh, districts that have majority black populations um, have such a large decline in population? I believe all in the Senate had a decline and all but two in the House had a decline. I don't think it'll be, I don't think it'll, it, it may be difficult, but I think it's possible to do. It's going to take some work. Uh, there's going to be some, with the population shift and the loss of population, yes, I think that some of our territory would probably spread a little bit. But uh, I think it's very possible to do, but it's going to be, it's just going to take some time and, um, you know, concentration to, to make it work. What will, what will your conversations be with uh, your fellow lawmakers that are in the committee? Uh, I, th- I think that we need, to, we need to look at the district. I don't think districts should be over... I mean, you know, 85, 86, you know, percent either race. We need to focus on uh, some parity in the uh, in these in these districts to make sure that we do not have one, we do not have districts that uh, that feel that I only have to cater to one segment of the population. Every citizen should have a right for their voices to be heard and know that their needs are being addressed and that their, their concerns are going to be represented. How do you think it would be appropriate to address that kind of um, making sure that equal populations are represented, especially in areas where uh, are primarily white or primarily black? I think, I mean, we're going to, we're going to um, share that with the, with the committee members, but I think one of, the things that we, one of the things we do is just make, all of us just need to be, you know, fair-minded about it and look at 
look at districts that would that would represent, you know, Mississippi, so that that it's you know every an African American or white American, everybody would have an equal chance to win and represent uh, the total uh, electorate in that particular uh, district. Senator Norwood, thank you so much for your time. Okay, thank you now. Census data will not be confirmed until the end of September, giving lawmakers just three months to finalize redistricting plans before the start of the 2022 legislative session. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter, and fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.